welcome to the second Forecast F1 episode of this season. And it's the first one that we're recording after a race. Bahrain, fresh start, new season, 2024. Sam, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited for the season. I'm really happy that we were able to see the first race on the calendar this year. And we have a lot more to go. So how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm, I'm very happy that we kicked off and... Um, and well, I think we had um, we had a lot of questions uh, prior to the start of the season where everybody would uh, would rank how the cars would perform, and I think we've seen the first glimpse of it. And I think most of us have already drawn the conclusion that Red Bull is still pretty far ahead, or even further ahead, or slightly less so. We don't know exactly, but uh, but let's get into that. Let's start talking a little bit about uh, about the whole weekend. Of course, first of all, it was a weekend that was moved one day ahead in time. Uh, we had a qualifying session on Friday rather than on Saturday, and we had a race on Saturday, and uh, we'll have the same thing next week. And um, yeah, let's, let's start to talk a little bit about the qualifying session. What's... Uh, what were your main takeaways from that? Yeah, main takeaways, I would say, is first of all, Red Bull at the top once again. So especially with a car that's gone through some significant changes and developments for the start of 2024, we can see that obviously it show it's it's showing its strength. So that was that was one thing I would say Ferrari, obviously up there, Mercedes, McLaren and Aston Martin. These are teams that we were expecting based on preseason results as well and last year to to be at the top I would say one thing that I was impressed by was seeing Hulk doing very well during qualifying so that was an impressive result and also uh, for uh, the racing bulls especially the Hulkenberg performance that that impressed me a lot especially with all the disclaimers that Haas have been giving prior to the start of the season it was uh, it was very nice to see somebody from one of the different teams like not at the top five teams to make it into that Q3 session um, other than that I would say that um, you know with a lot of people talking about uh, perhaps Ferrari trading some of their qualifying performance for tire management in the race. Actually, they weren't that far off. I mean, it looked like there was a large gap between Verstappen and then the next three uh, drivers who, who qualified P2 up until P4. Those were Leclerc, Russell and Sainz. I mean, there was quite a gap between Verstappen and Leclerc and then not so much from Leclerc to Russell and Sainz. But then if you take the Q2 lap of Leclerc that got him into Q3, that lap was actually quicker, uh, slightly, only slightly, but it was quicker than Verstappen's pole lap. So perhaps the difference isn't as large after all. Yeah, and during preseason testings, they were looking at Ferrari being possibly over a second faster than last year. So... I, I think that, I mean, if you're looking at Ferrari, they did uh, typically well during qualifying. And if they're going to put more of their energy into trying to develop more race pace, then I think that is a wise decision to make. And qualifying, I mean, we, we see the results, but obviously it comes down to the race really at the end of the day and the results that come from that. I would also say that there were a few other things. I mean, we, we saw potentially... Stroll could have done maybe a little bit better, but he was caught in traffic during Q2. And it was a little surprising to see Mercedes. I, I was hoping that they were going to perform a little bit better 
So that was something, although I, I believe that, again, similar to Ferrari, they're focusing on their race pace this year, as opposed to putting so much energy into qualifying. One other driver I would mention is Alex Albon. He, for them, I, I believe they were talking about the fact that their expectation was to finish maybe around P15, P16 range during qualifying. So for him to finish at P13, that was obviously ahead of expectations. But uh, considering how he ended last year, we'll see. I mean, he probably, I would imagine that he's, we're going to see him quite a few times be in that conversation of exceeding expectations. So it'll be interesting. I know that they had also stated that they, they don't plan on letting him go in 2025. So I think this year is going to be, uh, well, for many drivers, of course, because they're going to be at the end of their contracts, but specifically for him, based on how he fares during qualifying and, and these results are going to really determine his future going in at the end of the year. And let's also not forget that the Williams, well, if we look at last year, typically doesn't perform best on the brace of surfaces, which Bahrain is, and um, they're also right. not very good at wind-sensitive tracks. Um, so uh, there was quite a bit of wind, especially during um, during the training sessions and qualifying sessions. So yeah, for them to for for Albon to qualify P13 was quite a good uh, result. Yeah, you just mentioned Stroll there. I think he didn't. He was unlucky this weekend, but he didn't have a bad weekend if you look at, at mm-hmm. all things together. Um, also to the race, but we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, Mercedes even had uh, trouble. Both Russell and Hamilton just just made it out of Q2. Uh, of course, in the end, Russell set a pretty good qualifying time in 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 Q3. So he was starting quite high up there in the grid, but. Um, yeah, and then and then back on Ferrari, not just talking about qualifying, but taking that into the race. I think uh, overall, I'm quite, I'm I'm slightly positively, yeah, uh, I don't want to say surprised. I was hoping for this, but it seems like um, they were also unlucky during the race. I think Leclerc had a lot of of, of, of problems with balance in the car. We 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 saw him um, having lots of difficulty with turn ten. And Sainz actually had a had a decent race. He he performed quite well. Had a couple of very nice overtakes, uh, both on on Russell and and on Leclerc. He had a good performance. So taking qualifying and the race performance, where um, in both, I would say they didn't maximize the full potential of the car. Just saying that you know, if if looking at Leclerc, if you don't if you set a quicker time in Q2 than you do in Q3, that's not that's not maximizing your your capabilities. And also in the race, a similar story. Altogether, I think Ferrari had a decent weekend, but with a lot of positives to take into the rest of the season. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that this race left us with some hopeful optimism for Ferrari. And I don't want to jump the gun, of course. We still have a long calendar to go. There's many races. There's going to be many different tracks. And I'm, of course, several scenarios happening. But I do think that watching signs maximize the performance in the car. We, You touched earlier on the fact that tire degradation was always an issue uh, last year. And we didn't really see that as a situation for this race. Of course, Leclerc, you already touched on his issues that he had. But towards the back end of the race, he seemed to, to put himself back together. And he was able to still overtake Russell. And we saw some of those struggles that Mercedes had when it came to the race pace as well. So in comparison, if you're looking at even comparing Ferrari to Mercedes, 
I do believe that there's a lot more positives that you can take for Ferrari moving forward. With Mercedes, I think that there's less obviously optimism at this point in time. Of course, they do have a situation where it's early days, lots of improvement that are still left to be said. Uh, but do I believe that they could turn it around to to potentially compete with Red Bull this year? I don't know. Uh, it's questionable at this point. I would say also one thing to touch on just that was qualifying and the race as well uh, was Alpine. It's, of course, a situation right now that leaves a lot of question marks is, uh, when it comes to Alpine, more so in where we see them this year. The car clearly isn't really that competitive at this point. They struggled a considerable amount during qualifying. Uh, they've had some several important pieces of their team resign within the last two weeks. So I don't know what the future holds for them. I wonder if this year is really going to be more so focused on moving ahead the future and restructuring the team itself. What are your thoughts when it comes to Alpine? Well, yeah, I wanted to start this episode with a couple of positives. But uh, yeah, if we look <laughs> at the other side of the coin, then uh, Alpine, or as some people are dubbing them on the internet now, is Alpine. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely... Yeah, I don't know. I don't have too many... I mean, let's see. I, I think it's it's on the one hand, it's a bit shameful for a factory team to perform that bad in the first race of the season. But it does happen, of course, that teams get things wrong. I do think they have the or they should be able to have the capacity to improve during the season. You know, that's something that, for example, we always see, you know, Haas typically starts the season relatively okay, but then doesn't improve. So they, they end up being bottom last at the, at the last few races. With Alpine, it's hard to tell because I would say they should have the capacity to improve. But if they will, it, it looks like there's a lot of things going on in that team, also in the management of that team. Uh, there are several people from different departments now that are leaving. Uh, that has been happening throughout the previous season as well. So I don't know if there's too many, uh, I don't know how far the light at the end of the tunnel is for them yeah, or if there is any to speak of. But uh, but yeah, that's something interesting to, um, to follow. And um, now that we're on the other side of the coin with uh, some negatives, I, I, I also do think that even though yeah, there are certainly positives for Ferrari and Mercedes to take, there's also the part where uh, yeah, we, we saw very early on in the race that, you know, they, they actually changed the rules on, on DRS now. So the DRS is, uh, the teams can open DRS on the first, on the, sorry, after the first lap, so on the second lap. Um, and I thought that that would mean that perhaps, you know, uh, somebody like, well, in this case, Leclerc could, could hang on to the Red Bull in front for just a little bit longer and create somewhat of a DRS train. The DRS train was created, but not between P1 and P2. So that shows that, you know, it's 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 uh, Verstappen is going to be quite far ahead, and and we've we've had we've had had some experience now last year with uh, how such a season goes, and I think the question that we're all asking now uh, at the beginning of this season is like, how many races is Red Bull going to be able to win? Um, how many races Verstappen is going to win this season? He's now at um, if we if we do continue to count uh, consecutive wins, this is his eighth. If we count the last seven races after uh, Singapore from last year, so yeah, that's I think going to be a, a focal question that we're going to ask. And um, yeah, uh, well, we can also of course talk a little bit about the comparison of, uh, of Verstappen and Perez. I think that um, uh, 
uh, you know, Perez is not the qualifying beast as, as some of the other drivers on the grid are. So he qualified fifth and um, he had a decent start, moved up to fourth. Yeah, in the end, you know, uh, of course, your race is not the same if you if you start from pole and you can just drive away and, and, and you can create a gap um, compared to when you need to fight uh, in the middle or at the front of the grid for your places. And then only later you, you start to have that same yeah, that same rhythm in your in your race, in in Perez's case. Uh, but I think it was a decent decent performance for him overall. I think um, he this is where you know this is probably where his aim should be, finishing second in most of the races, and maybe um, yeah take advantage of the few races where where uh, Verstappen is going to have um, some difficulty. But um, yeah, uh, uh, winding a little bit back to the beginning of the race, um, because actually we didn't have, we didn't see many incidents. All 20 drivers finished. I think that's one of the first times that that mm-hmm. happened on the first race of the season. But going back to the, to the start, it wasn't obvious from the beginning that everybody would finish. I think we had um, that first incident was with Hockenberg and Stroll. And I think they showed also a replay of Bottas being right behind Hulkenberg, but I don't think he actually touched him. Uh, what were your, what were your, uh, how did you see that all coming together? Uh, well, it looked like obviously Hulk rear-ended Stroll, which was unfortunate because I think that Stroll's start was pretty strong. I think he had a lot of potential to be in a in a really good position after turn one. But unfortunately, he was rear-ended. It is what it is. I think that also Botas did suffer a bit of front wing damage from that as well, just getting caught in the crosshairs. But I I mean, it happens. I, I was going to make mention of that as well. So I'm glad that you touched on that. Just simply the fact that this is a race, first first race, and there wasn't a single DNF. So that's also... Incredible, yeah. yeah that's something to definitely make mention of. I would yeah. say as well, I mean... When it comes to when it comes to turn one, I was really, really hoping that Leclerc was going to put some some more effort into battling Verstappen. But I wonder if like you like we had discussed the balance issue was a problem for him off the start. And that was why he wasn't really able to 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 do enough. But yeah, I mean, Verstappen just took it and ran with it. I think it was four. he was four seconds ahead within five laps. So. It, it makes you wonder what the what the future holds in respect to the season with him. Uh, is it going to be a situation where the only time you, you could discuss a potential winner at a Grand Prix outside of being Verstappen is if a mistake is made on Red Bull's end? I, I don't know. I would also say that a few other things to mention during the race is there was a couple of really nice overtakes. I mean, although Mercedes struggled with race pace throughout the duration, Russell had a really impressive move on Leclerc uh, to to take to take that spot, and I I think that that was a fantastic move on his part. But historically, we always see that when he starts near close to the front of the grid, there's been several instances where he's been very aggressive in the beginning, and then sometimes falls a little bit back. And this unfortunately was a case of that. He struggled clearly with being able to prolong his result. I would also say that uh, I I believe we probably would mention this at some point, so we might as well now, uh, is the racing bull situation when it came to Sonoda and Ricardo. I know that it's been talked about quite a bit, but 
interestingly enough, I mean, it, it's a situation where both drivers are are trying to are, are in unique positions starting this season. So tensions clearly I would I would expect to be high. And when you are in a position like this towards the end of the race and, and we do a team orders call, I mean, it it's no surprise, in my opinion, that Yuki was as upset as he was. However, I mean, obviously, the end result on the cooldown lap wasn't something that uh, I, I think was a wise decision on his par- part. But uh, seeing seeing how the two of them were throughout the race, I think that there was a lot of things that you could take from Racing Bull, even from a strategic point of view, uh, from the team, as to uh, some some decisions that maybe I wouldn't have necessarily agreed in. I would imagine that we share the same sentiment, especially when it comes to team orders. We've always stayed on the same page in terms of our opinion when it comes to team orders. We're, we're not fans of that. And I really think that if you want to see and extract the, if you want to see the potential that Ricardo has uh, and extract the most out of both of those drivers, I believe it would have been a much better decision to just let them race and uh, see exactly what the two of them could do. That would have been a perfect opportune moment when both of them are in that position to be able to see how, who's going to be able who's going to be able to finish with a better result. What were your thoughts when it came to that situation? Yeah, I, I am not a fan of team orders. That's definitely true, but mostly in the sense of uh, trying to let one driver finish ahead of another one just to take more points away, like the classic uh, Schumacher Baricello example. But in this case, I did sort of understand the whole thinking behind it. I mean, Ricardo was on um, one lap fresher soft tires, where Tsunoda was on hard tires. Do understand that they wanted him to. I think Tsunoda should have been a bit more clever about it because he kept on driving for about two laps ahead of Ricardo without letting him pass. Mm-hmm. He should have just done it straight away, let Ricardo attack Magnussen. But then what I do understand is that he got very upset with, um, you know, if, if, if Ricardo in the end doesn't overtake Magnussen, he should give the position back. That's somewhat of an unwritten gentleman's rule. If Ricardo would have overtaken to know that on merit, that perhaps is not necessarily the case, but he let him go. So, uh, of course, that was, yeah, it was slightly heated. But for us as viewers, I don't, I, I don't mind too much. Uh, I think it's actually, <laughs> you know, it's going to be nice for the rest of the season because Tsunoda is not going to give anything away, any presents away to uh, Ricardo now that he knows um, how things are are set. So, um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. Um, there's potentially a seat available in in Red Bull, and and those two need to fight for it. And it's you know, at the end of the season, we usually look back at performances and we and we do a, a head-to-head. And uh, this one now is tilted towards Ricardo uh, because he finished ahead of Tsunoda, but uh, not on merit. So Tsunoda will be pissed off on that. And, and we know he's slightly hot-headed during the race, on the radio, after the race as well. I don't know. I kind of like that. I like to see characters in the sport. And I don't like those that are... Um, just media trained and, and say what people want to hear and mm-hmm. um, I'm probably going to offend some people but um, for me Ricardo is a perfect example of that he knows very well how to play the media uh, know that doesn't think about that too much he just says what he thinks and I kind of I know I, 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 I kind of enjoy uh, <laughs> listening to him watching him race I think Watching Tsunoda race is uh, giving you I, mean, I think overall this race wasn't the most exciting uh, hopefully we're gonna see more exciting races 
during this season. But I do think if you watch uh, Tsunoda race, you, you're always going to see something something fun and something will happen. So, um, yeah, that uh, for that reason, I kind of I kind of like him. But um, yeah. To be honest, there weren't that many highlights. There was another thing uh, we had Sargent towards um, just a little after the the middle of the race where he stalled and he seemed to be not moving at all. And I was thinking that we could have a safety car if he wouldn't be moving. Uh, In the end, he got it in reverse and then he he, he also uh, managed to get back on track and continue his... um, well, I don't know if you want to call it a race. I guess it was mostly a race against Bottas, who had um, who was sitting in the pit for for about a minute uh, or even longer. I don't know what the exact time was, but um, yeah, Bottas uh, has a bit of a tradition on long pit stops. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I think if Sargent would have stalled and we would have had a safety card and things would have punched up, that would have been um, exciting to see for the viewer. Uh, but um, yeah, eventually that didn't uh, that didn't happen, and um, yeah, as we've already mentioned twice, everybody finished the race, which is um, in this cost cap era quite uh, quite a positive for everybody. I think um, wasn't it? I think because we haven't talked much about uh, McLaren yet. Mm-hmm. I think that Norris did he not have to change his control electronics already before the start of this race, and, and he's already driving with his second. I think there's only two allowed for the whole season, so that's bringing him into a bit of potential danger for one of the upcoming races yeah and i i do think that they're obviously off to a better start than they were last year and given how they were able to develop the car last year i think that there's a lot of potential for mclaren i'm really excited for for the season although that is a little concerning i still i still wouldn't be considerably worried just given given what we were able to see them do last year i think one of the thing that i'll that that i would just highlight as well because you've you've brought that up briefly is the fact of contracts and and where drivers will go and yes with sonoda and ricardo i mean there's this may actually help excel both of bring the best out of both of those uh teammates because of the fact that they're fighting for for something in the future but also this is a year where we have the majority of the grid is up with contracts. And so you know that what you're looking at right now for 2024 is not going to be the same regardless for 2025. And the likelihood is, is that some of the drivers on the grid currently this year are not going to be there next. So it's an interesting dynamic because you also have a situation where a lot of these drivers, every sing- obviously every single race matters, but it matters even more so for fighting f- for a position on the grid. And um, for a driver like Logan Sargent, obviously that wasn't a great race uh, for him to kickstart things off. And then for a driver like Carlos Sainz, I, you, can, you can say the opposite, right? So... I think there there is a lot of really interesting things that are going to continue to develop over the year uh, when it comes to drivers and seeing exactly maybe painting a better picture as to where we see their potential future lying. Okay, well, this was the first prediction game with the new app, and I'm pretty sure we had a record amount of players. So how many players exactly did we have this weekend? 
That is right. Uh, this was the first time that people were able to predict with the app. And we had 1,094 players this weekend. So that's what? a record. I think the previous one was 611. I think we had 611 people playing for the race in Las Vegas. So yeah, that's a pretty uh, that's a pr- pretty high number. I had no idea that was the number coming into this. I was completely blind to it. So that is incredible. Uh, what a what what a large number, a jump <laughs> for the start of the season. So that's great. How many countries were in all together this weekend? Yeah, so we had uh, people from 116 different countries for this weekend. So yeah, people from all around the world basically. Wow. Wow, that's 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 really really cool. And what was the average score? All right, so for this first race, we had an average score of forty-seven point six points. Um, so that's um, well, we're going to see throughout the season whether that's high or or not too high. I think usually for the first race, it's a little bit harder to predict the right thing. So um, I think from well, well, I, I'm actually hoping it's this number is going to go down because the lower people score, the more upsets we see. And that's obviously one of the things we're hoping for. But uh, yeah, 47.6. I I was actually going to say that's a fairly decent score. <laughs> I would imagine a lot of us were picking Verstappen to uh, win the race, uh, which definitely was a right. safe bet. What about the lowest score? So the lowest score for this race was um, somebody, I won't mention any names here, but there was a, uh, there was a girl who had 5.3 points. I think that's a wise decision. We leave them n- uh, nameless. But what was the podium that they chose? <laughs> uh, okay, let me look that up for you. So um, this person from Portugal had a podium. Okay, she had the... A P1 Tsunoda, a P2 Leclerc, and a P3 Norris. So not completely mixed up altogether except for the Tsunoda part. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, at least Leclerc got her three points and Norris got her one point. And, but for the rest, yeah, well, she only added up 5.3 points. But uh, talking about the lowest score, um, before we actually go to the highest score and the winner of the weekend, um, I'm going to ask you first, how many people do you think predicted this podium with um, Verstappen on P1, with Perez on the second step and the third step of the podium for Sainz? How many people do you think um, got that right? Well, since we have a considerable more amount of players this weekend, I'm going to increase yeah, you do my need to typical take numbers. <laughs> but I am yeah. going to say that quite a few people probably put uh, the, those three on the podium. So I am going to go with 624. Sam, I don't know how to break it to you, but... Uh, oh, am but I you're, that you're off? overestimating that, that. It's not not half the amount of people are going to get this podium <laughs> right. There's always going to be people who have different podiums. I am so glad that I'm not competing with anyone like, this Like, I'm not weekend. mad at you at all, but I thought, like, after a year of practice, you would get better at this. There were 21 people who got the podium right. Oh, no. <laughs> You know what? Let's move on. What's the next question? Let's go. It's a, it's it, we, we move on. <laughs> well, I think uh, it would be right to talk about um, the winner of this weekend. Yeah. So um, I'll build it up. Um, and uh, rather than starting with the winner, I'll start with uh, P3. So we had a shared P3 this weekend in the game. Uh, there were two people who scored 84.5 points. And that was Levon Pamukian from Armenia and Jose Familia from the Dominican Republic. Uh, so both of them made it to the third step of the podium together. And on second place, we have someone from Chile, 
Thomas Tirapegui. He, he scored 85.3 points. And that brings us to the winner of this weekend from the United States is Matthew Berger, who scored 90 points, uh, which is an extremely high score for a non-sprint weekend. Uh, remember, you can score 102 points maximum if the point for fastest lap is handed out in real life. So he scored 90 points and he did so by getting the complete top five correct. So he had Verstappen on P1, he had Perez on P2, Sainz on P3, had Leclerc on P4, Russell on P5, and then places six until 10, he went with Hamilton, Norris, Alonso, Gasly, and Piastri. So most of those got in points, except for Gasly. And he also had Verstappen on fastest lap. So 90 points for Matthew Berger, extremely good start of the season. And um, I was talking to, um, we're recording this the day after the race. I was talking to Matthew last night and uh, yeah, he was extremely excited that his start of the season is, is so good. And he, he, he claims he's gonna be the highest ranked player from the United <laughs> States at the end of the season. But let's see um, if he will remain there. He is there for, for, for now, obviously. We only have one race, so it also I don't need to uh, talk about the full ranking now because that's exactly the same as the first race, obviously. But, um, but yeah, good head start for, for Matthew, for Thomas, Levon and Jose. And that brings us... I, I want to talk in the podcast also about the... Um, amount of points accumulated per country because uh, we're gonna we're gonna show some stats on the instagram as well for that we're going to show a, a top 20 or even a top 25 and we're also going to show after each race how many um, spots each country has has uh, dropped or improved um, so after this first race we have a current ranking of p1 argentina p2 italy and p3 netherlands so um, that's how we start out and we're going to follow this throughout the, the the season and that brings us to um i think it's time to talk about uh, our score sam i think it's time i'm ready <laughs> i knew you would be actually we we predicted very 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 similar actually no I, surprise I kinda, there uh, both of our top fours were exactly the same mm -hmm. um, so uh, we both went for Verstappen, Perez, Hamilton and Leclerc so that got us um, well that got us all the points for P1, P2 and P4 uh, of course we miss out on the points for Hamilton we should have had uh, Russell there but um, you went with um, a P5 for Sainz and um, Norris on P6 so that got you all the points for Norris and um, Russell, Piastri, Alonso, Tsunoda, and uh, with Verstappen as a fastest lap, got you 76.3 points, which means you actually made it into the top 20. And um, that's that's quite the accomplishment, given that we have about double the amount of players that we usually have. And uh, I think this might be one of your best, um, best performances ever in the game. <laughs> Yay! But now I just have to make sure that I maintain it for the next 23 races, so... <laughs> That's exactly. You've set the bar pretty high. You've set the bar yeah. very, very well, high. Well, our so podium... It's going to be a tough one. Our top three there, they've definitely set the bar very high. So <laughs> I, I, have, I have big shoes that I need to fill at this point. But, but I'm happy with my result. And what about you? Well, we take your P18 and we multiply that by two. We get to P36. That was my position. Um, like I said, I had, the, I had a very similar prediction. Uh, but I scored 70.4 points, so uh, also quite pleased with that. It's not bad, but um, yeah. yeah, you start ahead of me uh, in this season. And I think this might be actually 
one of the only times that you're ahead of me in a competition. Oh. So uh, <laughs> cherish the moment. Uh, and it so better not be the last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that also brings us to, uh, well, to having a little bit of a, a look at how many people got each position correct. So, um, well, this time we're recording the podcast just with the two of us. So I'm just going to ask you and we're going to see how far off you are. And um, you haven't set the bar very high with your um, correct podium predictions yeah. uh, guess there. But uh, you can, I'll, I'll let you make a comeback here. So um, I'm going to ask you first, how many people out of the 1094 that played, how many people do you think had Verstappen on P1? Well, I mean... I'm going to I'm going to go high. <laughs> I'm going to say 580. I wouldn't consider that too high. You you thinking that Well, I'm more than half of the people I went with something else than for stop it. Let let me elaborate. When I'm comparing it to my last prediction where I went over 600 and there were 21 people that chose the podium. So, <laughs> if I'm thinking 21 people chose the podium, I'm going to I'm going to try to go in the middle. Uh, based on how many people actually predicted overall and hope that I'm close. So what was the number? <laughs> I don't know, Sam. You're a little bit rusty here at the start of the season. There were 909 <laughs> people who went with uh, Verstappen on P1. That's also, let me just say, that's also wild. Pretty much majority of uh, the majority of the people that predicted this weekend all chose Verstappen for a win. But we all knew the answer, didn't we? At least we assumed so, so... And everyone was right that chose it. And I guess most people who joined last year and who had a bit of fun are now actually aiming to score a decent amount of points. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you want to get your point tally up, I'm not suggesting anything for the next few races. I mean, you do whatever you feel is best. But, um, yeah, that definitely got you the 25 points for Bahrain. Um, what would have gotten you 18 points is if you would have set Perez on P2, which both of us did. But how many other people or how many people in total had Perez on that P2 place? I'm going to say 400. Okay, well, you're getting a little bit closer, but you're still, you're still, I mean, it's <laughs> less than half of that. It's 171 oh, people my who had uh, Perez on P2. So I think there was a lot of people who, um, yeah, taking from Perez not making it to that second step of the podium very often last year I think um, uh, I think a lot of people were sort of expecting that maybe the gap wasn't as large anymore between Red Bull and the other teams so they put Perez lower anyway 171 people went with that and um, and then we go to signs on P3 how many people do you think had um, had signs there okay I'm gonna say 30 You're right that it's Ooh. the lowest number up until now, but it's 147. Oh so it's actually God. quite a few people still. Yeah, but I'm, I'm slightly surprised with that number too. It's, it's quite a few people actually who had him there. Um, so um, what about Leclerc then on P4? Okay, Leclerc, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick to, <laughs> I mean, at this point, I don't know what's, what, what is going to be right. At, I'm going to say 82. It's um, it's 166, so uh, a little <laughs> over double than that. So okay. actually more people who had Leclerc on P4 than, than the amount of people who had uh, a P3 for signs. We're moving on. We're going to Russell on P5. Russell on P5, I'm going to say 40. 151. 
Okay. It's actually well, quite a few. Um, I'm starting then, to see a trend. Then we have the <laughs> everything in the hundreds. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, we have more than double the amount of players than we usually did. So, you know, where before perhaps you would have uh, below 100, then, you know, things have, have, have doubled now. So, um, so that brings us to the first McLaren finishing. That was Norris mm -hmm. on P6. Okay. I am going to go with 124. Okay, now you're actually getting much closer. <laughs> um, I think it's good we're doing this warm-up episode so that next time when you when you compete against a guest, you, you got a little bit of... Um, a little more yeah. prepared. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, uh, th th it was um, 140. So um, you, weren't, you weren't too far off there. Okay. Um, then Hamilton on P7. Hamilton on P7, I'm going to say 118. Yeah, so that's a lot lower. So I think a lot of people had Hamilton, just like we did. We had him both on P3. I think a lot of people had him much, much higher up. Uh, there were only 65 people with a P7 for Hamilton. Okay. Maybe that Ferrari influence is, is helping. <laughs> Uh, PS3, P8, I'm, yeah. uh, let's say, 162. That's, yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's 220, but um, you're moving in the right direction. <laughs> it's, it's a little bit higher. Um, and then we go to the two Aston, Mar uh, Aston Martins who finished uh, P9 and P10, Alonso and uh, Stroll, respectively. How many people did put Alonso on that P9 place? Let's say a hundred and ninety. Okay, that's the closest one so far. It was one hundred and eighty-two. Mm. So you're eight. You're only eight off. That's uh, that's uh, yeah. You're actually getting better at it. Good. At least at least uh, at least I'm improving <laughs> as opposed to not. All right, and then stroll. All right. Show me what you got. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stroll. Let's say. I'm gonna. I'm going to say a little bit lower i'm going to say 113 nice again eight off really just like with alonso 121 yeah that, that's very nice okay. that's consistent i like that consistency <laughs> now for stop and fastest lap oh okay well i'm definitely going to increase the number there's a here. trick to this one whenever for stopping gets p1 and fastest lap there's always more people who Go with a wild guess on the fastest lap. Um, far more people are wild guessing the fastest lap than what they do for P1, because of course P1 gets you a lot more points. Um, so people are more serious about that and slightly less serious about the fastest lap. Um, well, I, that was just a small little hint that I'm giving you. Well, I'm going to go back to the sixes and say 618. Yeah, I think you're in the ballpark. It's it's 746, okay. so that's that's really not too far off. Not too far off. So yeah, that brings us to um, the end of um, what is forecast F1 for the Bahrain race, and um, that brings us to talking a little bit about Saudi. Uh, we're gonna go there, and we're gonna have a similar format for this weekend, this upcoming weekend, which means that we have free practices on the Thursday, free practice one and free practice two. We're going to have free practice three and qualifying on the Friday, and we're going to see the race on Saturday. So yes. that means that B1 
be aware that you need to predict slightly earlier. Um, as we've mentioned, the deadline this year is the start of FP3, but it still means that you can only watch FP1 and FP2. Uh, so best is to make your prediction right after that. Don't wait until the very last minute. And, um, and yeah, uh, get some points in. Uh, I would say that um, it's a perfect opportunity to um, yeah, to make up for what you didn't uh, <laughs> for what you didn't score in the first race, and um, I think uh, for me it's going to be an opportunity to um, to get closer to you in the ranking. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be tough for both of us to uh, stay this high. Uh, well, I, I mean, you're in you're in the top twenty. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. It's not bad, but I would say when it comes to Jeddah, I I always get really nervous because it is a <laughs> it is a street track, and we've seen although although a lot of drivers and a lot of well a lot of cars have remained unscathed through Bahrain I'm I'm looking <laughs> ahead to Jeddah and I'm and I'm questioning whether that's going to be the case but it's it's nonetheless an exciting track I'm I think that there may be some surprises and that also may translate into our redu- results for the predictions so you never know you never know what's going to happen do you have any early predictions at all when it comes to the race or the weekend itself? No, all I can say is that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for, for some unexpected things to happen. I think that the conclusion of Bahrain is that uh, not too many unexpected things happen. So let it be different for Saudi. I think it's an interesting track. I, I don't know, it, it's, not, it's not my favorite track, but it's somewhat different to a lot of the other ones. Visibility is not very great. It's quite high speed, except for the the two turns that are really uh, quite uh, at an acute angle and I think it's a yeah it's 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 yeah like you said it's a street track it's quite different from the one in Bahrain I feel so um, maybe we see some different things it's going to be exciting to see how uh, Ferrari Mercedes and McLaren and perhaps also Aston Martin in that bunch how they perform I think uh, you know Aston Martin was perhaps slightly disappointing for this first race I mean they finished Alonso finished P3 after all last year, so um, now a P9 and a P10. Even Stroll with a with a broken hand and a broken toe finished higher last year than he did this year in Bahrain. So, but I do think that actually it's going to be uh, quite track specific. Which of these teams that are just managed is uh, mentioned is 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 going to be outperforming the others. Although perhaps Ferrari is just slightly ahead of Mercedes, McLaren, and Aston Martin. But then those three, yeah, it's going to be exciting to see. And um, I'm, I'm also hoping that uh, perhaps a, a Williams or, or a Joe, actually during this race for quite a while, I was hoping that Joe was going to score that P10. I think it was definitely on the cards for him. Yeah. But unfortunately, he just missed out. He, 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 he finished P11, but um, he really wasn't far off. He had a pretty decent race. Uh, I think quite a bit better than his teammate, who was also yeah very unlucky. But um, yeah, I don't know. Again, what I'm trying to say here is that I'm hoping to see some some upsets in uh, in Saudi. You and me both, and we will see next weekend. And then, of course, we'll be here to talk about it. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our podcast either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Subscribe, rate us. Rate us. Uh, definitely helps us to find um, well to be to get more exposure. As you can see, we're we're increasing our number of players and um, it's it's still the start it's still early season so now is also the time to get some of your friends and family to to start playing the game 
you know, if they start now, you already have a, a point advantage to them if you scored a couple of points during this first race. But uh, I would say in general, it's, it's fun to play against, uh, against friends and see, you know, who, who outscores the other. And um, yeah, other than that, what else rests us to say then see you for next episode. Yeah, see you for next episode. <laughs>